0: Everybody, welcome to What's Up with Pastor Chuck where we talk about what's up. And uh, I wanna do a special shout out to Taylor Dio right now. Uh, Taylor, I wanna tell you not only for me, but for Lauren, for Tracy, you're like one of our all time favorite people, right? We all love Taylor. And uh, Taylor, I love, love, love that you're on right now with us uh, and I love that you and your sister, your dad, every. we just love that all of us are church family together. But let me tell you this, we are dealing in this section of what's up with Pastor Chuck is what is the most sought after advice in counseling? What are those things when I began to be trained in counseling that I went like, aha moment? You know, have you ever had an aha moment? Like you're like, oh my goodness, like, and and you realize like the light goes on and everything's amazing and good. And so um, I had a lot of those in training. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would tell you this, I don't know that I had one class that wasn't incredible, it wasn't like my your seat kind of a thing, and even the ones when I saw what I was having to study, I'm like, really? Like law and ethics and counseling, and that it was like, oh, amazing. Okay, I'm getting off, um, but now let's go back on. What are some of those things that are like you go, wow, that's life-changing, that's the game-changer, that's the difference-maker? And uh, I talked to you, I think, about one of the most important ones last week is understanding what we call differentiation and applying that. Uh, by the way, let me tell you guys something. I applied that yesterday in a, in a meeting I was in. Uh, right, Tracy? I had to apply it. And it worked. It, like, worked. In my head, I saw the problem moving over here and me and the person working on it together. And it was almost like everybody relaxed as we began to do that together. Then... The next one comes. Now, the reason I'm going number two on this one is, uh, it, it, and I'm going to get really honest, this one doesn't really apply to me. Um, it, I mean, I, to a little extent, not very much. Um, but I began to realize in, in person after person, in couple after couple, in family after family, this was at the root of some of the most serious problems they were facing. Uh, maybe not an aha moment, but a, a surprise moment, a shock was how this is destroying the lives of so many. This is ruining their professional life. This is ruining their, their friendship life. Their, uh, by the way, dating couples have been ruined and not able to go forward because of this. Uh, people in marriage sometimes are ready to quit and give up because of this issue. Um, children, have been the cause of it, but children have been also the target of it so what is it what 's this pervasive problem that i 'm seeing and the answer is anger uncontrolled anger uh, the idea that they can 't get in control the idea they can 't take it down and um, it, it and what I want you to know is that it can become actually what we call habitual in other words, you can become so. Uh, caught up in anger and do it so often and so many times that your brain actually has a propensity to be angry. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27, it says, be angry. So we're all going to get angry at some point, And I want to talk to you about that. But it says, be angry and do not sin And do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. The devil would love to have an opportunity to make you angry. The devil would love to have what we call a stronghold in your life uh, that keeps you from having uh, the friendships you want to have, the relationships you want to have, the family you want to have, the marriage you want to have, the job you want to have. It can really take a, a toll on you, and the devil can get a hold of you with this one. And so, what I want you to know is that we know neurologically a lot of what's going on when it comes to anger. I, I like to use this illustration because I think it's even kind of easy to understand. Uh, look, I, yeah, I'm looking at the screen. Okay, this is your brain, all right? So, if you even are not driving, but if you're somewhere and you kind of put your hand like this, this is a lot of what your brain looks like, but mine's bigger than this. <laughs> Probably yours too. But anyway, so so your brain looks like this. Uh, in the frontal lobe of your brain is uh, the left frontal lobe and the right frontal lobe. Uh, what happens is that's where you do all your thinking and processing. Uh, so I do believe, uh, by the way, that left side of the brain is more logical, more prone to analysis. Right side is more creative, uh, more um, uh, able to have imagination going on. But no matter what you believe on that, and I think there's reasons to believe that uh, your brain uh processes thing in the prefrontal cortex of your brain or in these frontal lobes. And so that's where you do all your thinking and all your processing. So when you're in the midst of a problem and you 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 are in the in a right head space actually that's actually a good way to word it. Your head space, space the right headspace, then you're going to be able to look at the problem from the right directions, the right perspective and and be able to analyze and to decide what are the possibilities that are here. But if we were to peel your brain back, inside right here, there's a a walnut-shaped area that we call the amygdala. And the amygdala right here doesn't think. The amygdala regulates things, but it doesn't do any actual thinking. So when you become frightened, your amygdala becomes active and the amygdala begins to release neurochemicals in your body and in your brain that begin to take over uh one of those is adrenaline uh, the other would be serotonin and uh, uh some other things like that just begin pulsating through your body and so the when the amygdala begins to release these maybe because you're afraid or maybe because now somebody got you angry they they showed disrespect to you or they insulted you or they threatened you and rather than being afraid you you got mad, uh, or you felt left out. By the way, sometimes when you feel left out or overlooked, you get angry, um, or they, you know, talk back to you. Uh, then what happens? The amygdala goes, "Oh, something's wrong here," and begins to release these neurochemicals. Guess what happens? Then your prefrontal cortex doesn't act correctly doesn't work correctly it actually now is not able to process things process things correctly so the amygdala although it's small is really really powerful and so one of my professors at CBU at Cal Baptist University used to say never think with your amygdala and it's a joke cuz you can't and That's a psychology joke we all laugh at. (laughs) And I know you're not laughing. But in the psychology area, we do. Uh, but, But you can't think with your amygdala. But what happens is your amygdala can affect your ability to think. So now you get mad. When you get angry, then what happens is not only are you processing incorrectly, you may start having these attitudes and actions and reactions where it gets rising and rising and rising inside you. So now your, your brain's processing saying this and, and, and attacking with that and, and saying, I'm done with you and, and becoming you know aggressive or passive or passive-aggressive, and you begin to act in a very unhealthy way. And I know you've had this happen. We all have. The anger's taken over. You've begun to either say things you shouldn't say, do things you shouldn't do, act in a way you shouldn't act, and later on go, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And you know why is you were out of control. Uh, You weren't in the right headspace. The neurochemicals were having too much power in your body. Now, this is why I went into all this. Get ready. This is super important. The more you allow this to happen, the more it will become a neural pathway and a habit that you will be more prone to. So you'll be quicker to anger, quicker to rage. And that's why the Bible says you can get angry, but don't let the sun go down on it. You can get angry, but you take control of that quickly before it takes control of you. And you know what? A lot of people get to a place where they have so much of a neural pathway formed. It's like, it's like a, a freeway built to anger, a freeway built to the wrong things that they get there too quickly and before they know what they're out of control or before they know what they're in the mode of, of acting in ways that are hurtful and harmful and uh, everything in their life suffers. They suffer and anybody who's trapped in life with them suffers. And the people trapped with you, if you're that way, want out. Uh, they want to hide. They want to escape. They want to get away from you. And you probably are destined to a very lonely, lonely life, even if they're still living in the same house with you. Um, so what I want to tell you is there's ways to fix that. So this is where the counseling comes in and the most sought after things. So in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says this, It starts out with this, you know, and James said, you know, this, you know, this, this, you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So we need to be really good at listening and really slow before we speak. And then we need to be very, very slow to anger. So what we need to understand then is that anger is an emotion, but the Bible teaches anger is a choice. This is really important. Anger is an emotion, but anger is a choice. And God has given you, when you're in tune with him, when you're filled with the spirit, when you're in the right headspace, God has given you the ability to take away the anger, to calm the anger, to tone it down, to not let it rear up. And so what I would want to do is be aware of the anger, but then I would want to set the anger aside and process what it is I'm dealing with from a calm perspective where I'm listening better, where I'm speaking less. By the way, when you start to get angry, good idea not to say a lot. Um, where I ask more questions and really try to understand. And I say, you know what? I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to do that. And you could do that. And you can make that, by the way, the neurological habit you have. You can make that the neural pathway your brain functions under. And you can become more prone to that than you can to anger. And so uh, what I want to talk to you about is this. Uh, When you get angry, you have a choice the first choice you have is you can try to repress it or use repression. By the way, that's a bad idea. So if I get really angry and I decide I'm just going to repress it, the problem is as you shove it down, it will begin to take a toll on other parts of your body. You're going to have heart issues. It'll actually physically affect your heart. It can physically affect your liver, physically affect your kidneys, and have a negative effect on your brain. So there's a lot of negative physical repercussions that come from repressing anger, repressing anger. There's also some mental health issues that come, and here's one. I can make you more likely to be depressed, and, of course, at some point, it can make you more likely to just blow up and unleash. Because you know what? Usually, when you repress it long enough, at some point, it all comes out. And so, repression's a choice you can make, but not a good one. Another choice is expression. Now, I'm going to express my anger. Now, when it comes to expression, I can have three ways to express it. I can be aggressive, like I get really mad and (gasps) I come up and I'm gonna let you have it. Uh, by the way, for a lot of guys, I wonder if women do this. A lot of guys, when you get angry, you want to get mad and back people off. Like, I'm gonna get so angry, you're gonna, you're gonna back away. Do girls do that to each other? Some of them do. Oh, some do? Okay. Uh, Taylor doesn't. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) No one's saying anything. Taylor, okay. But, but you know what is, is I know that men in particular, I think that's, what we're almost taught to do that. Um, but here's what I want to go to is that, you know, you have a choice about expressing your anger. You can become very, very aggressive, which is not a good choice. You also can become passive. A lot of times, and here, what do you what I mean by that? Well, then just forget it. And someone's like, no, 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 let's talk about it. No, forget it. You don't like me anyway. You don't want to be around me anyway. You don't want to, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm done. And you just become passive and don't deal with the situation. And by the way, that's not a healthy way to deal with it because you can never go to a better place. And then there's the one that a lot of people use, passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive. You know, where you go just, oh, fine. Okay, we'll do it your way. And we're going to do it your way. You want to do it your way, we'll do it your way. That's passive. And I'm like, no, let's talk about it. No, we're just going to do it your way. That's passive-aggressive. Okay, fine, I'll come along. I didn't want to go anyway. Hmm. <laughs> You might say, Chuck, you're pretty good at that. <laughs> Actually, Tracy fed me those words. <laughs> we were doing a sermon and she said, oh, you should do it. And I thought, oh, you know that pretty well, Tracy. <laughs> is that true or what? <laughs> yeah, true. So so here's the thing is that none of those are healthy ways to ex- to, to deal with anger. So you could express it aggressively, passive aggressively, or uh, uh, being just passive. Then, not only repression, expression, another choice you have when you get angry is this, assertive. That's a good one. That, that what you do is you calm yourself. You can't, be, uh, you can't be assertive in a healthy way and be aggressive. Um, assertive is very different than aggressive. And it's very different than passive. Uh, assertive is where you are in calm, you're listening, you're understanding the situation, And you deal with the situation in very clear terms, in very clear ways, with the goal of offering the opportunity for things to be better between you and the person or you and the situation or them in life. And um, and, and it's the way to go. Now, it, it needs to be driven biblically. And by the way, let me tell you this. I'm not going to get as in-depth as I want on this because I have a whole thing on assertiveness training that I think we're going to do in here at one point We're actually take you through an assertiveness training on how to be assertive in a biblical way and a very, very healthy way. But in Ephesians 4.15, it says this. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. By the way, uh, when you study scripture, Jesus actually was very assertive, uh, but not not out of control with rage. Um, so where I wanna get with this is this, is that being assertive is, I'm gonna speak the truth to you in love. I'm going to practice what Proverbs 3.3 3 says, love and kindness. It says that, Uh, Do not let love and kindness leave you or forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. When I was in a very, very stressful season, I on purpose read that verse at least three times a day. And before any meeting, I thought I might have an issue with or any encounter I thought was going to be, I read and said, Lord, let me be. Let me be truthful and let me be kind and let me be kind and let me be truthful. Let it all be here. And, and I just want to be that way so that I could be assertive and not aggressive. Uh, so I could not be passive and have the person leave without healing taking place. So that I could, you know, deal with the situation with the best possible opportunity for the best possible outcome. So assertive. Uh, there is another option we have biblically, and that's just to let it go. So uh, one way to express anger is repression, expression, being assertive, or just letting it go. That's not repression. That's saying, I really am going to let it go. I'm really not going to hold on to this. I, I, you don't have to deal with everything. So, you know, I might go, huh, I'm really pretty, I'm not happy with what was said. I'm actually a little bit angry, but I'm not going to be, let the anger control me. I'm going to take and set it aside. And I think I'm going to let this one go. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, above all, above all. Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. So above everything else, I'm just going to choose love and let go of some things, cover the multitude of sins. So um, there's times that Pam has practiced this with me where maybe I've said or done something and she thought, you know, I love Chuck more than I care about this situation. It's not a pattern he's in, it's a moment in time. So she just lets it go. Um, I've done that with Pam. I love my wife to death, and there are times I'm like, "Okay, Pam, we're going to need to talk about this one." But there are other times—not a lot—but there are other times where I'm like, nah, I, I can let that go." You know, I—I'm I, not going to do that. And I think you know what—in life, we do that with people. You know, uh, their friends. You're like, you know what? I—I I know them good enough and well enough, and 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 I know their heart. So I don't expect this is going to keep coming up again. And Why go there? Uh, But it's not hiding out. It's not cowardly. It's just not worth the relationship. The person matters too much. So love is above all and it's fervent love that covers a multitude of sins. And so we just let it go. And and that's okay too. So that brings me now to what I want us to do something fairly practical. Um, What I was taught, uh, both at Cal Baptist and Liberty University and by the, a psychologist who mentored me, all three brought this up, is that we know neurologically that when your body becomes upset, when the amygdala begins to release those neurochemicals, that what happens is we get more tense then when you get more tense, the amygdala says, Huh, ah, you're tense, release more, and you get more tense. Then when you begin to act, the amygdala goes, I better release more. And it fuels the fire of anger. So, how do you calm the anger? The first step, and that's all we're gonna deal with this this, this podcast, because there's other steps I'd give you. The first and most important step is this: it's almost impossible. And maybe it would be even accurate to say it is impossible to be angry if your body's calm. Uh, My mentor, Dr. David Smith, actually, I love this. He's a big guy. He's this big guy. And when he says it, it's actually kind of comical. He says, be a limp noodle. (laughs) I don't know why when he says it, it's funny. But he says, just be a limp noodle. And he'll sit like this. And he'll say, you know, the other night I wasn't happy with, and he'll actually say his wife, which I can't believe, anyway. Uh, he'll say his wife, and he goes, you know what I do? I'm starting to get mad, and I just, on purpose, I sit on the couch like that. And he said, you know what? Then you can't get mad. Why? Because you're relaxing. You're relaxing. And I don't know, maybe part of it, too, is you kind of look funny. But, um, but, but I practice that. You kind of take some breaths. And you make sure there's no tension. And I always, in my case, I start with my jaw. And then my neck area here. And I think, am I relaxed? And then I, I make sure my body's calmer and, and I just relax. And, and, and then I don't hold on to it. And, and I realize that what happens is your amygdala, which can't think, your amygdala goes, hey, the body's relaxing. I need to turn it off. So here's what I'm telling you. It actually works. This works. Your amygdala begins to shut down. The neurochemicals begin to dissipate. Um, And if you can do this in a calmer way, your body feels good. So your brain now begins to release positive neurochemicals like dopamine and and vasopressin, and oxytocin, which I just think those are such cool-sounding neurochemicals. And you know what? They're all natural from God, but we need a little more vasopressin, oxytocin, and dopamine in our life. And and your body actually feels good, so it begins to release things that are more peaceful, more joyous, more calm. By the way, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a way to get in touch with the joy of God. But step one is calm down. Step one is take some breaths. Step one is relax your body. So you're driving in your car and you're all upset. Go, wait a minute. I'm going to relax. And you relax as you drive. And all you Tesla owners can hit auto. But anyway, uh, you just kind of relax and, and let go. Uh, maybe you're in a situation and you're thinking, I can't believe they said that. You know, the, But then just take some breaths and just relax. And you know what, I, I there's some other things I could teach you that would help you with step two and three, but it always starts here. It always starts with let go and let God. Let go and just take breaths. Let go and make sure you're calm and eased. And I do think I would I would be more leaning towards it's impossible than to go into a rage at that point because your body doesn't have any way to get there. And that means your brain's not gonna get you there. And it means that now this prefrontal cortex is going to start functioning a little better. Um, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I can tell you, for me, it's true. I've found when I'm mad and I'm upset that I lose perspective. Words that were said can go to a place they were never meant to go in my mind. And I just begin to to build on those. As a matter of fact, I, I may be reporting too much about myself, But I can start playing those words over and over again. I could start wondering what the motive was behind it. And God just says, Chuck, don't do that. Just let go and relax and and don't be that way. So what is some of the most sought after advice and counseling? Don't let anger ruin your life. Don't let anger control you. Practice Ephesians 4, be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. For you guys who are single out there, don't give the devil an opportunity to have you be the kind of person someone shouldn't be with or want. no one would want to be with. Uh, for you who are single and maybe dating, don't let this wreck a relationship that has so much probability to maybe go somewhere. Uh, for all of us with friends, both single and engaged and married, um, friendship matters. And, you know, don't be someone who lets anger ruin friendship. And for you guys who are married, um, you know what? Learn to practice being calm together. Learn to practice to being slow to speak, slow to anger, and to hear more, listen better. And uh, for kids, uh, by the way, uh, I would say to a parent, teach your children what I just was trying to teach you. Uh, even at a young age, you can teach a child to breathe. You can teach a child to relax, teach a child to calm themselves. Um, and I've had some children who were out of control. Uh, and by that, I mean that they would, they would tell me, Hey, I just get so mad. I don't know how to handle it. You, know, you could teach that to a child so they, they can, they can actually begin to, to manage it. And so you could practice what is called anger management and uh I think even better holy spirit management you could have that happen so anyway that is my point number 2 differentiation controlling your anger. And now we're going to go in the coming weeks into some other aha moments in counseling uh, that I think just could be game changers for you. And they become very practical in your life. So I can't wait to get with you next week. I'm not going to tell you what next week is, but I'm really excited about it. And I can't wait to unlock it. By the way, let me say this. I was telling this to Tracy. What I feel like we're doing is I have a, a Some things I use to help in counseling, and I call it my counseling toolbox. So guess what I'm doing right now? I'm opening up the toolbox, and if I had you in counseling, this might be something i take out and guide you in, uh, and, and hopefully to guide you to God and guide you in life and do better. So we will open up the counseling toolbox next week. So everybody out there who's watching, praise God. Can't wait to be together again. God bless you guys, and may you not be a person given to anger.